welcome to Church Online. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm one of this year's interns. Matt has asked me to just read a Bible passage that he's going to be going over in his sermon today, and that is Romans 8, verses 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And now Matt is going to go over those verses and explain them to us. Good morning, Milton Bible Church. So glad that you're with us this morning. Thank you, Andrew, for reading our passage this morning. That was great. Really appreciated it. Um, Andrew Nelson, who you just saw reading the, the passage this morning, and Tori Pitum are our two new interns who have just started this past week. They're going to be interning here until August 15th for 14 weeks. So please join me in congratulating them, maybe a thumbs up or a congratulations online in the comments would be great. Um, we are really looking forward to working with them, um, for them to work in all the various ministries of Milton Bible Church, but more so for us to be able to, um, uh, to help them develop their character and leadership in God. They're two great young people. We also have Maya Nakamura. Uh, you probably saw the email this week. She is going to be joining us as well for a seven-week internship starting at the end of June and she'll also be going till um, August 15th. So please be praying for these three young folks who are a part of our church family, and uh, we're just really looking forward to working with them and building into their lives. My name is Matt Timpson. It's an honor and a privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. I'm here on staff as an administrator in pastoral care at Milton Bible Church, and I'm also an elder. Today, as we continue in our series, Living in the Victory of the Cross, The Other Side of Easter, I want to share with you what God has placed on my heart from the book of Romans, specifically the passage in chapter 8 that Andrew read, where Paul says in verse 37 that we as Christians are more than conquerors. Let's pray as we start this morning. Father, I thank you that because of what Christ has done for us, we as individuals, as a church, can be more than conquerors. I thank you, Jesus, for the finished work of the cross, the cross that we celebrated on Good Friday and on Easter. And I thank you, Lord, that we have such an amazing, abundant life on the other side of the cross, living in the victory of the cross because, Jesus, what you have done is finished. It is final. Our sins are forgiven. Lord, we are eternally grateful for that. Father, I just pray this morning that as we open up your word, 
that you will have it sink into each one of our hearts, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would testify to our spirits, which is in this chapter in, in Romans 8, that you would testify to our spirits that we are children of God, that we will never forget that, that nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So Father, this morning, just um, uh, bless my words and bless our time together, Father, and may your spirit speak to each and every heart and soul that is tuning in this morning. Amen. Amen. You know, growing up as a child in a Christian home and attending church on a regular weekly basis, and even into my teenage years when I became a Christian at the age of 15, my youthful impression of Christianity was not the great riches that we have in Christ, the fullness and power of the Holy Spirit that indwells us, and that we are more than conquerors. It was more of a quiet, humble gratitude for what God has done for us by sending Jesus to die on the cross to bear our sins and to seal us with the Holy Spirit for eternity. The emphasis was more on the saving and securing of our souls for eternity than it was on a vibrant, spirit-filled life in the here and now and carrying on into eternity. The cross of Christ is, of course, the place to begin, and we are going, as we're going to see in this passage. But it often felt to me that the Christian life was to sit at the foot of the cross but not seem to move out from beyond there. There was a lot of emphasis on our sinful nature, how we continue in sin, and our sins are as filthy rags before the Lord, but we are forgiven in Christ. Again, all very true statements, but what was missing in my um, mind at the time and looking back was the victory that we can live in coming from the cross. This morning, I hope that we can come away with the idea and understanding that as those in Christ, as the church together, we don't just survive, we thrive. I'll say that again. We don't just survive, we thrive. Through what Christ accomplished on the cross, his death and resurrection, absolutely nothing, no matter how hard or difficult it is, can ever separate us from God's amazing love. As God's people, through Christ, we have more then conquered the worst that Satan, sin, and this world can throw at us. As many of you know, I worked as a foreign currency trader at a bank for over 20 years. And one of my bosses that I had for a number of years, whenever someone asked him how he was doing, he would always say the same thing, surviving. Church, we don't just survive, we thrive. Before we begin looking at Romans 8, let me give you a very quick overview of the theme the themes of the book of Romans. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome, which had both Jewish and non-Jewish believers. In chapters one to three, he talks about how the whole world, Greeks, Gentiles, which are all those who are not Jews, and Jews themselves, are all guilty of sin, and righteousness can come only through faith. And that all can come to faith, through, uh, to righteousness through faith. In chapters three to eight, he gives the good news of the gospel message. Chapters three to five deal with justification, how Jesus made peace between us and God, and we can find favor with God. Chapters six to eight deal with sanctification, how the Holy Spirit regenerates us. We are new creations living righteously with the Spirit. In chapters nine to 11, Paul talks about the spiritual nation of Israel and that righteousness comes through faith, not works. Lastly, in chapters 12 to 16, he is very practical about 
being transformed by the renewing of our minds and our practical duties as Christians. So that's the context of this amazing letter of the, uh, to the Roman church. And our passage in chapter 8, one of the greatest chapters in the New Testament, I believe, sits right in the middle of it where Paul tells the church in Rome, and he's telling us, the church in Milton, that we are more than conquerors. We don't just survive, we thrive. In verse 37, Paul starts by answering a definitive no to the rhetorical question, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, which is trial, suffering, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, nakedness, which may be a reference to shame or poverty, uh, danger, and even death. Paul emphatically says no. However, notice that Paul does not say that we are conquerors over all of these things, but that we are conquerors in them. Very important. Look at it again. This is very important to get. That one small word in brings so much clarity. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The Apostle Paul is not promising that because of what Christ did on the cross, we should never have to suffer hardship, loss, persecution, famine, shame, poverty, distress, or even death. On the contrary, he even refers to Psalm 44, 22, which says, yet for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. He is saying that in all these things, we are conquerors, not the avoidance of them. I think it's so important that we clearly understand this so that when suffering and even death do come, which they will to everybody, we are not unprepared in our hearts. Paul continues on to make his point abundantly clear. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you have that assuredness? Are you totally convinced nothing will ever separate you from God's love and his promise of an eternal reward of living with him in heaven forever, despite what might come our way? I sometimes think that as Christians, we believe that we are safe and secure in the arms of a loving God and know that when we die, we will spend forever with him. We often hear things like the loving father has his arms uh, around me and will take care of me. He'll make sure I'm safe, secure, grow up to get a good paying job, have a great family, and die at a ripe old age with my loved ones around me. But what happens to my, sorry, but what happens to my assuredness when tragedy strikes my family, when I lose my job, when sickness comes my way, when a pandemic hits, when I can't see my friends, my family, my kids, my grandkids for months on end and despair sets in, when I face persecution because of my faith, or I face or encounter racial injustices, do we shrink back and say, where is God? Is he real? He must not really be that loving of a God. No, in all these things, we are conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Not despite them, not after they are over, not after we have been healed and delivered from them are we conquerors. It is in such difficulties that we are more than conquerors. But how, you ask? 
Doesn't conquering something mean defeating it and having victory over it? The answer is yes, but not in the way the world thinks of it. God's ways are much more vast and have an eternal perspective. The things we list at trials, distress, famine, danger, death, will eventually come to every person on earth and has come throughout history to every person that has ever lived, whether they know Christ or not. Even those that have lived the richest lives of worldly comforts with seemingly no hardships will eventually meet death, as verse 35 and 36 speaks of. Our conquering victory in all these things, including death, is not the avoidance of them, but that none of them will ever separate us from the love of God and an eternity with him for those who are in Christ. Just as Jesus conquered sin and death, so too we conquer them by suffering with him. So in all these things, we are conquerors because of the love God has for us, which cannot be broken. But there's also a greater context of this in chapter eight. These verses we just spoke about give context to a verse that is often quoted out of context. Verse 28 of the same chapter, chapter um, Romans chapter eight says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Even what Satan, even what Satan would want to use for terrible pur- reasons, for terrible purposes, to cause Christians to dismay and wonder if God loves them, like persecution, suffering, distress, hunger, pandemic, God uses all these things for his good and eternal purposes. This verse 28 does not mean that all things are going to work out well in a physical sense all the time here on earth for all those who love God. We just have to look throughout church history and our own lives and the life of Milton Bible Church to see that is not the case. It does, however, mean that God is working out all things for his good purpose and ours, and we become more and more like Jesus as we go through difficult times. What Satan would try and use for harm and move us away from God is actually having the opposite effect in God's economy. The next two verses after 28 say that God foreknew we would come to him, and for those that come to him, he has predestined or determined that we would be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus, that we are called to himself, that we are justified, and that we are glorified. Amen. Absolutely amazing. There is, there is so much depth in these few verses that we could discuss them for weeks. But for our purposes today, we know that we are being conformed into the very image of Jesus and we are heirs with Christ to spend eternity in glory with God the Father. Let me read verses 16 and 17 of the same chapter. It puts it this way, Romans 8, 16 and 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Again, there's the idea of suffering with Christ in order to be glorified like him. So looking at it this way, we can see how we are conquerors because God is working out everything, absolutely everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly, for ultimate good for those who are called by him, which is us, the church. 
But there continues to be one last question remaining from our passage. Why does Paul say that we are more than conquerors, not just that we are conquerors? Matthew Henry, the great theologian from the late 1600s, early 1700s, also happens to be the name of Don and my nephew. Hi, Matthew, if you're watching. Wrote an exhaustive Bible commentary in which he put it like this. We are more than conquerors who conquer. First, with little loss, and secondly, with great gain. He goes on to say that many conquests happen at a high cost, but for Christian believers, while the cost here on earth may be great, as we've just seen, ultimately God works all things together for our good and nothing can take that away. But not only are the losses turned around in God's economy, there are great gains that we get from a God whose love we can never be separated from. We share in the great victory of the cross and the life uh, and live a triumphant life on the other side of Easter. There used to be an old saying uh, that went like this, um, that being saved by the cross of Christ is more than just fire insurance. We are not just saved from something, but we are saved to something. What do we gain through the inseparable love of Christ that we talked about? As we just mentioned, we will be glorified and spend eternity with Christ because of his death and resurrection. But he also left behind his Holy Spirit to dwell in each of us together as one church, which is his body. Our chapter, Romans 8, talks about the Spirit of God 20 times in the first 27 verses. Being filled with the Spirit, walking with the Spirit, we have the Spirit of adoption, which allows us to understand that we are children of God. The Spirit pours out gifts to individuals of the church, gifts of prophecy, tongues, healing, compassion, hospitality, evangelism, teaching, apostleship, and many more. See where I'm going with this? As I said, we are not just saved from something, but, but to something, which is much more amazing. Well, we are conquerors in all these things that we talked about earlier, that doesn't mean that we don't see the power of the Holy Spirit working through us, working through the church in mighty, powerful ways. Chains of, chains of bondage to sin are broken. Lives are healed physically, emotionally, and most of all, spiritually. And we live in the fullness of the Spirit that is characterized by boldness, joy, and love, as Jim talked about a few weeks ago. So where do we go from here? I know I've been challenged this week in my own life as I prepared for this morning. Romans 8 is one of the best chapters in all of the New Testament, I believe. It's chock full of great theology. But I didn't want this to be just a theological exercise that is, in, that is encouraging but doesn't affect my life, our lives. I really believe that Romans, a Romans 8 life is what we want to be living as Christians. A life filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, with an extreme confidence and joy, knowing that we are absolutely 100% secure in the love of God the Father. As I was praying the other day, I wrote down this prayer for my own life in my journal as it was laid on my heart. I thought as I read it again, I would share it with you this morning, and perhaps it will be your prayer as well. I'm just gonna read from my journal here what I wrote. Lord, I want to be a Romans 8 Christian for the rest of my days with your spirit dwelling in me, never separated from your love, whether tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, 
pandemic, Tourette syndrome, danger, nakedness, even death. Lord, I am secure in you. And because of that, I can live a life full of your spirit with boldness, joy, and love emanating from me and reflecting you. We are more than conquerors. So hopefully that is your prayer this morning as well. But I also want to just mention to those that maybe don't understand what this love of God is for you, that this love is available for you as well, and that's the first step. The Bible says that if we call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So this morning, if you have not made that step, if you have not proclaimed your love and your faith um, for God through what Jesus Christ has done for you, dying on the cross, raising again, sitting at the um, right hand of the Father, he has done that for you and your sins will be forgiven if you ask him and if you ask him to enter into your life. So this morning, I would pray that you would do that. I'm just gonna finish this off by, by praying for us as a church this morning. Father, I just thank you that your love can never be separated from us, that we can never be separated from your love. I just thank you, Father, that um, what you have provided for us through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, changed our lives and is continuing to change our lives forever. Father, would you continue to fill us with your spirit and help us to continue to be molded into the likeness of your son, Jesus, that we are co-heirs with for eternity. Father, as, as tough times come, as tribulation comes, as trials come, as you know, pandemics and maybe um, uh, distress or depression as we're alone, as these things come low, Lord, may we remember that we are more than conquerors because of the love that you have for us and that we can never be separated from us. From us. Lord, just fill us with your spirit, I pray. I pray for those, Lord, um, who are hurting right now, going through these difficult times that we've talked about. Would your spirit just be extra present with them even this morning? May they know that they are loved by you, that they are a son or a daughter of the living God. They are heirs to eternity with you, Christ, if they have um, uh, called upon your name. Thank you, Father, for anyone who this morning has um, called upon your name for maybe the first time, Lord, I just pray that you would bless them, that you would fill them with your spirit, that you would give them an incredible assurance knowing that starting right here, right now, they cannot ever be separated from your love and that will go on for eternity. So thank you, Father. I thank you for our church. I thank you for the love that you have for each one of us. Amen. Amen. I would just encourage you this week that maybe to read through Romans 8. There's so much in there. It's such a wonderful chapter. And let it just seep into your soul. If you're in a connect group, maybe your connect group wants to read it together and look at Romans 8. Have a great week, uh, church. Love you.